Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. After we've set our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from the day's episode. This week we are taking a look at Series 10, Episode 3, It's Bread Week. Love Bread Week. Well, you're the master of bread. Uh, I learned this week that I am not. (laughs) Alright. Oh, I did my little best, and it definitely gives you some respect for all of the contestants. But yeah, but you make bread this week. every week. I do. I do make bread every week. I had a revelation this week, though, which is that I make the same loaf of bread every week with different names. So, which I think is what most home bakers do with most of the things. You know, you have your specialties and you right. just keep relying on those because there's nothing wrong with them. Well, I thought I was making different loaves, but, and I thought I had this idea that there was a certain consistency that your bread was supposed to be when it came out of the mixing bowl, like to, to start its first rise. And with this challenge, I actually learned that I have just been adding more and more and more flour to various recipes until it looks the way I think is right. But it's actually possible for a bread dough to be very sloppy and still be right. Um. And so I have been turning every bread recipe I attempt (laughs) into the same bread, just more of it by throwing in more and more and more flour. So the Groundhog Day of bread recipes. Yes. Yeah, it just keeps coming back whether I want it to or not. I I had some variation this time. I tried something new. It was not as successful as my the one in the one true bread that I have made in the past. It was it was interesting, but we'll get to that later. Well, and I am more like Helena where she says at the top she's like, "I don't bake a lot of bread, but I do love it." Oh, yeah. You and me both, sister. Mhm. Uh, I actually don't make a lot of bread at all. In fact, I think the last bread that I made was for the show. Oh. Was the, uh, what was it, the ciabatta that I made for the last season. And that turned out great. It did. And every time I make bread, I forget how much I like making bread. I had a, a college roommate who said that her dad, who was a pretty severe introvert, liked to make bread because it gave him an excuse to stay home all day and not talk to anyone. I did take a vacation day to do this. Not just to do this, but like I was on vacation. But I like it because like it's literally alive. It gets bigger through magic. Yep. And I don't know. I have a childlike wonder when it comes to that. It makes me feel great to like go and be like, it's poking up. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's a really good point. I know a fair number of homeschool parents because I'm military, but I'm going to have to like be a busybody and say like, have you thought about making bread as a science experiment? Because it's super fun. Right. Well, actually, I'm thinking about doing a like a bread making program at the library, but I'm already trying to think of like... How in an hour you can show like all the four main stages. And so like what time of the day before the program I'd have to like make the thing that you make the finished to. product, make the second prove example, make the first prove example. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You'd have to do what I did for this challenge, which is like I had to write it all out for every loaf I made. I had to write out um, how many minutes it's supposed to be at which stage. And then it gets extra tricky which I guess is where the experience comes in because it says things like, oh, wait until it's doubled. And that may, depending on the temperature, be half an hour. It might be an hour. It might be an hour and a half. Oh, and I bet you're having an interesting time with bread considering how warm and moist the air is where you are. Boy, howdy. I I can't put it outside. There are too many bugs. Like, and we've seen a couple of roaches, but for the most part, it's these little bitty ants that keep, I mean, they get into the house, but I know I couldn't let it prove outside because it would be covered in ants. Like, no question. Within 
I mean, 10 minutes maybe. And it's actually, we have a, a bit of a cold snap in Georgia right now. And Ooh. so it, today's one of the coldest days of the year so far. And by coldest oh days of the year, I mean, it's like it's the mid sixties. But <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's not, my house has been warmer practically the entire year. And then today it's just a little cool when I tried to make this bread. Mm. But anyway, the contestants themselves, they did not look like they had a deep well of bread knowledge. A lot of people no. acknowledging that bread was not their specialty. Amelia mentioned it. Helena mentioned it. Did anybody else? I think I David think, might have mentioned it. That it wasn't his thing. It's its own special thing, really. Like you can be a great baker and not particularly into bread. Or I, I guess bread people are often all bread all the time. Like I remember in a prior season, the guy who made the really iconic lion loaf mm-hmm. that they said was like the most amazing thing they'd ever seen that year. But he mentioned going in like everything else is hard for me. I do bread. Bread is at its core very simple. It's flour, salt, water, and yeast. And so it, a lot of it comes down to the craft of it rather than covering it up with a lot of sugar or, you know, it's decorating. It's, right. It's much more substance oriented than style because even, you know, a highly decorated decorative loaf looks rather plain next to even a moderately decorated cake. And because you're dealing with that wild card of yeast and fermentation, just having it written down, oh, it needs to be 45 minutes at this temperature isn't enough. Like right. You need to be able to really have some tricks up your sleeve to discern, is it done? Isn't it done? I um, use a thermometer when I make bread to test for doneness. And I'm always a little surprised on the show when people don't, like when they knock on the bottom, things like that. But Yeah, and we didn't even see much of that this time. Nope. But I think that may be because of what the challenge was. True. So our signature bake this week was a filled Terran share. Which I move too much to get invited to things, honestly. <laughs> but the next time I'm invited to a thing, after watching this episode, I want to make a Terran share because it is it looks like a party. So this is the challenge I took on. They had three hours to do it in, and it could be sweet or savory, but it had to be large enough for a crowd. Mm, and it, boy, were they. Yeah, they really, really were. <laughs> and... So, I, and I guess all that a tear and share means is that either the pieces prove individually and thus, or, and join back up in a second prove, or they are something where you can reach in and pull one off without disturbing the integrity of the whole. Yes. Because there were a lot of different shapes and a lot of different varieties and styles out there. The most common ones I see are rings, stars, and that's those are the big ones, I think. I saw a lot of rings and stars and buns that are baked together. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that buns are probably the third type. You know, so we start walking around the room. Henry, he's just cougar bait. I was like, I was like oh, I just don't want to get any of this charcoal on my jumper. Oh, my lordy. And because jumper's not a word we use in the States, it always just is like, mm, that seems very twee. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say cougar bait? Yeah. You think that uh, an older lady would jump on some Henry? I was reading something online about this season and somebody called him Cougar Bait. And I was like, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who, when she was a very young um, baby dyke, as she would say, uh, <gasps> she went to a, a local lesbian bar and, and an, an, an older woman came up to her and was like, we'll take you home and give you a bubble bath. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and I can kind of see that being said to Henry. Yeah. So not my type. Really? No. <laughs> but but that is real. I like to imagine Henry's reaction to being told that somebody wants to give him a bubble bath. Oh, he would turn as red as my new office walls. Ugh, I want to be there for it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so they keep going around. 
Michelle is the most Welsh person to have ever Welshed in Welshland. Ain't it the truth. I really liked the look of what she was doing, mostly because she was doing that thing that chefs say you should do, where you just get really high quality ingredients and then don't embellish too much. I mean, she knew what that she wanted to do. She's like, I'm very into this Welsh cheese. I'm very into this place and time. And so while it ended up being a little more rustic, homespun, that sort of stuff, I bet it was delicious. Yeah, because she wasn't futzing around and covering up good ingredients by including too many ingredients, which is something I know I've done in the past. Yeah, you want it to be fancy, and so you kind of squander a great ingredient. And I think that that's something that you can see from a lot of the successful bakes this in this challenge especially was they had a little bit of flavor, but you kind of can't put too much in a bread because it retards the growth. True. And it needs to be fairly dry. Right. Or not wet, not soppy enough that it's going to sog out. I thought that those bakes were pretty interesting. Uh, let's see, what else did I do? So this week, the, the cutaways to people's lives seem to be all about like health and fitness. I noticed Michael is a fitness instructor, cycling. Yeah. And I could actually see him being really good at that because he's just so warm and I'd see him being super accepting. Like... I'm I'm a I'm a fairly large woman. Um, I'm five not seven. Not a fairly large woman. I'm I'm five seven. Like I'm a I'm oh, a you're talking about tall. Than, well, I'm tall, and I'm like I'm not dainty. I know this about myself, and I've come to accept and appreciate this about myself. But like I get a little nervous going into fitness classes, and but like I would jump on it with Michael. I feel like he would be awesome. Yeah, he's the opposite of the sort of like soul cycle instructor that's going to yeah. like tear you down for not already being a triple zero. Precisely. Yes. No, thank you to that. But thank you to Michael because he is a cutie patootie. <laughs> I wouldn't mind looking at him either, honestly. Yeah. He's an interesting looking person. Like there's <laughs> That sounds like a not agree. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that there are certain like angles where like the camera will hit him and I was like, wow, what a beautiful person. And then there'll be other times where it's like, especially when he's like being a little bit more of a goofball where it's like. Okay, maybe you're like more like a relatable kind of cute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it just really kind of depends. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I saw him doing that and thought, would not have guessed that that was what you do, but it totally works. Right. And I think that he's like in the arts. And so like this might be like how he pays Psychic. his bills between things and mm -hmm. all that. Little, little hustle. Understand that. Been there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, we have a little bit of a competition in the pesto category and a little bit of competition in the cinnamon roll area. Okay. Cinnamon rolls. Do you rolls. like cinnamon rolls? I do like a cinnamon roll. I do feel that they're one of those things that can be divine done right and absolutely not worth it done wrong. And that's the thing. Like a cinnamon roll is so heavy. It is so like calorie lit, you know, calorie laden that to steal Prue's words, you know, is it worth the calories? Mm -hmm. A bad cinnamon roll really isn't. However, I was seeing, there's some meme that somebody sent me where it's like, I watched somebody eat a cinnamon and threw away the middle. <laughs> and I knew that that person was a serial killer. <laughs> but you know, Helen even, Helena even points out that she would stop baking at one point, but she let hers keep going because she knew that she liked hers underdone. And I thought that was interesting because I find doneness on this show is shown as like a textbook thing, but to some extent it is personal taste, and a lot of people do like their baked goods underdone. Right, well, it's just like the classic, like a cookie should be crisp. 
But there's a whole industry of chewy cookies now. Yup. And I've heard many, many people say that they take their cookies out of the oven before they would be considered done because they want them to be dough in the middle. It is a matter of taste. and But they do know that they are being judged on a certain standard. So at least they know what they're trying to go for going in. I think the problem with the cinnamon roll is because it is often so like layered and spun is that often the outsides can dry out by the time the inside gets cooked. Yep. I've had that happen. And... I also learned through not a bake for the show, but I learned recently that a really enriched dough can require a very long proof. Like the more sweetness and sugar there is in it, the more time it might take to rise. So that's a dangerous thing about one of the about one of the sweeter choices as opposed to a savory bread. So, and actually, you know, speaking of Helena and her her pull thing, uh, Cato, her dog, is actually demoted to third place in uh, in this cutaway. And I was like, what did Cato do? <laughs> <laughs> I want so much to know more about her husband because in my head, <laughs> he is the most boring, normal insurance adjuster ever. Oh, born. yeah. Like, I want him to be so lame and for her to be so into him. Yeah. Like, he, he is the most boringest man in all of this planet Earth. <laughs> I love that I know where that came from. That's, um, <laughs> oh, help me. No, it starts with an A. It's Archer. Yeah, it's Mallory talking about her husband. Oh, my gosh. I thought, oh, I was thinking same voice, different show. Oh, she's on uh, She's on Arrested Development. Yes, that's the one. I, I thought that it was the most, that was it. But yeah, I love that. The most boringest man on this planet of Earth. Also said about a husband, come to think of it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> God, I love Archer. And I love her. Oh my gosh, I love her oh, so much. Dale and I constantly look at each other and go, if I wanted to sit around going nowhere, I'd have been a school teacher. <laughs> oh, I was a school teacher. I know you were. <laughs> I was terrible (laughs) i don't miss it at all but (laughs) no why would you some of them were (laughs) oh gosh and you were a school teacher too weren't you in a way it's a teacher's aide but yeah close enough and nope yeah not 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 your cuppa right i was like i I did that and then did not go back and get an education degree kill surprise funny oh my gosh maybe i should have tried to do something like that it would have really cleared things up but i did go to school for free so there's that um, yeah, and that's not nothing i'm still paying back those loans Ooh, so it does make me feel better thank you uh, i <laughs> paid off the end of mine so yeah sugar baby that's me oh god i wish i was cuter and i could be a sugar baby you could be a sugar baby honey you just chose to marry for love i'm yes. not short <laughs> enough and i'm not bitch. young enough anymore oh you know if you shot older like maybe 70 75 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could slide in there <laughs> i'll see like i fully contend i was like i wish i'd been cute enough to strip my way through school oh <laughs> oh, have, oh i know that you've watched the mindy project actually so yeah that, that reminded me of of uh the good doctor yeah but oh i hated ma- that character really oh i oh. think i married that character yeah i know <laughs> Oh, I my thought, husband. No, no, no. I thought you were talking that she marries him at the end of the show. I was like, I know. The worst fucking ending. But Wait, I thought she married him long before the end of the show. Maybe she did. I don't know. I kind of hate watch the last season. Gotcha. You're just mad. Yeah. I was just, I, I hated him from the beginning. And it's like, he's so controlling and an asshole. He called and her fat. I, that was a hard one for me. Right. And it's like, and she forgave it all to go back and be with him. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> So stay tuned for our Mindy Project podcast. <laughs> but, um, Wherein I identify with Mindy 100% and Mac is baffled. <laughs> 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 Anywho, so. 
There is a gross moment where they compare, like, I don't know, picking something out of Paul's chest, and it just made me, like, throw open my mouth a little bit. Yeah, and eat it. That was one. It was no, it was strange. Yeah. It was a real weird moment. So, and then Amelia does, like, you know, creates, like, a, a faux pas for herself, where she's like, all I can smell is her cheese, and I hate cheese. Oh, my God. But this I'm sure is... it's lovely if you like cheese. Oh, my God. I was like, what sort of mean girl's bullshit comment is this? That was really strange. Like, your bake is disgusting. JK, it's fine, probably. Like, who doesn't like Oh, my like God, cheese? I love that bracelet. Where'd you get it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was the point where, spoiler alert, she goes home, and... And I thought, good, you don't even like cheese, you fucking weirdo. But speaking of weirdos, though, Rosie later on in the technical says that she doesn't eat burgers. Well, I missed that. What? She Look, it's just a little throwaway line. I didn't even notice it the first time she said it, but she's like cutting up. I think she's like frying up her burger to put on her bat. And she's like, I don't even eat burgers. She's a huge animal person. Has she mentioned being vegetarian? She hasn't, but maybe she is. Yeah. Because, you know, later on in the series, she says that she's never eaten chicken. Oh, see? Yeah. And And I was like, I don't... That phrase doesn't even compute. (laughs) Because you're from the Southland. Right. Well, also... Who has never eaten chicken? Never in your life. It tastes like chicken. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I bet she's a vegetarian. I mean, probably. She has pet chickens, doesn't she? Oh yeah, yeah well, because she, she made legs. She made chicken. a chicken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's. I get that, and I totally support anybody who loves animals so much they can't bear the idea of eating them, especially if they're not. Just don't tell me I can't. Don't tell me I can't do anything because then I get. Stroppy. I would like to, we don't have segments on this show, but I would like to introduce a segment on our oh. show for the very first time. Do. Okay. And I would like to call this segment, da 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 da, Allison Knoll Awkward Banter. Oh my gosh, they do. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. Every oh. week. Every week. What? Okay. So refresh my memory. Which one, what did he do? They were talking about how Paul decorated loaves on his, light on his feet like a dancer and she's just like, uh-huh, I've never really looked at his feet. Oh <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, when people don't get banter or don't get someone I do, I find Noel very funny. I do, too. Well, and the thing is, she's trying. She's not trying to shut him down, which makes it even better. Oh, my gosh. She's tr- no. And I think that he keeps going back because it's like, this This is the time that I'm Alice and I it. are going to get it. Yep. Uh, there was a good giggle. Right. There was a running joke on... Uh, a season of RuPaul's Drag Race where this one Miss Fame would constantly wear these like elaborate headpieces and always on the runway we would go, how's your head? And she's like, oh, I can barely hear anything through this. Like she did not get it at all. Right. The answer to how's your head is, Megan, how's your head? Uh. You haven't had any complaints. Oh, I like it. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. I really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> And, but it took like four weeks to hit that. And that's the same vibe I'm getting off of Alice and Noel. Is it's like oh. one time they're going to hit it and it's going to be zingy and zippy. and But it's not womp, there yet. However, she continues to knock it out of the park with the super tent-like but awesome blouses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So she's got no humor, but she does have a banging blouse selection. No, but and, and manic episodes where she's like, do you ever watch things that you're baking in the oven? Uh, not like, no, not really. No, I check, me either. I wander I, away for all sorts of stuff. I turn the light on sometimes, like, is it getting bigger? But not like sitting in front of it. All right. So any of the finished products of this that you want to talk about? I thought that Priya's 
looked a bit like the picture you sent me of yours. <laughs> it's I, funny you mentioned that because I used her recipe. Did you? That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Henry's booby bread made me laugh. And I like that he said breasts because it seemed very respectful of women right. not to call them What do you think tumors. of black food? I have had squid ink in things and didn't mind it. It, I think it looks arty in pasta, but in this case, I, I don't know. I looked and thought, doesn't charcoal have a little bit of a flavor? I mean, I can smell it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It, like, I just thought it looked a little gross. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's- Like Play-Doh? Too, yeah, a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. it, like it's fake food. Rosie's brioche style bread ended up working out for her. And that looked sloppy when she was doing it. I was thinking like, how is that going to pan out? Well, and they they kind of thought that too. They Mm -hmm. gave her a lot of side eye in the walk around. Yeah, it looked real wet, but she seemed confident, I guess, because she had tested it so many times. She knew what was up. And then Michael gets a handshake. That Michael, you, you, Michael and Henry both, you can be so sincerely excited for them because they are 100% genuine. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so he was super excited, but like it had this lovely red undercurrent to it. The chili was just in the right thing. It was. How did uh, it, it was, get that so red? I, I don't know. But also it was, uh, it was shaped in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. And so he, lives. yeah, he really, I don't know. He just, he knocked it out of the park. He really got it. And I think I know how he did it with the star loaf because I've done one of those before. And I know you have too. I bet that his bottom most... Or maybe alternating layers were all in that red dough. And he Uh, entered his filling. And that way when he did the twist, it showed the alternating red and tan or brown, regular colored loaf together. And that's what gave it that that twisted effect with the different colors. Anything else to say about the signature? Nope, we're good. All right. So the technical this week is BAPS. Which was an opportunity to make 1,500 jokes. I first (laughs) heard the word BAP. In reference to bo- to boobs, like <laughs> to me, like bap, that's what it means. Like it it means boobies. So every time I heard it, well, see, much. and I know it more as uh, that late nineties movie with Halle Berry in it. Oh my goodness, I that is n- not in my repertoire. So that's a, a different body part. I imagine that it's for- no, and it's an acronym for Black American Princesses. Oh well, but it's like all this like high style and this sort of thing and. You know, it's it's kind of a cult classic kind of movie, but... Obviously, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so we have all sorts of these references. Baps is also in the name of the big Hindu temple in Atlanta. Oh, did not know that. I, it's just like, there's all sorts of things that I relate to a BAP before I think of a hamburger bun. Now, I want to point out, and most of what I have to say about the technical is this. I've read a couple of reviews of episodes, and I feel like sort of a thing in our time is the snarky internet TV reviewer who gives you a play-by-play of an episode of a show and has lots of snark to insert. And I mean, isn't that what we are? Uh, are we snarky? <laughs> we're, we're a bit kinder, but please go on. Yes, yes the television yes. without pity problem. Yes, exactly. I used to read television without pity about Angel and Buffy. <laughs> but anyway, I read one just glanced at it about this episode and somebody said in a very like Ugh, kind of way that 
this technical exists only because Paul is a child or something. Like the idea that it was just a really shit challenge and was just dumb. But I've also read another review of the show that the technicals are needlessly and viciously historical and are deliberately trying to be things that people have never heard of so that everybody can scramble around and make for good TV and a miserable challenge. Right. So, and I prefer a challenge like this. I actually I thought that this was a pretty good technical. Yeah, I agreed. And that was why when I read, like, it's because he's a child, I thought, like, kind of disagree. I, I mean, I like, I like the idea of a technical period because it seems to me to be the one that's intended to be a test of experience. Right. Or just, you know, a test of, like, concept. Can you, mm-hmm. you Have know, you thinking about X? what you know about bread, figure out how to put this together? Because, I mean, all they're being asked to do is make a fancy dinner roll. Yes, but lots of people go awry. So obviously it wasn't that blinking easy. Right, and the biggest thing I would imagine is putting the dough together wrong because it didn't rise correctly. Because most of the issues were size issues. And I will say that Paul was a little bit of a size queen during the judging of this technical challenge. Um, He's got a lot of things to say about the size of people's buns. (laughs) Did you hear David say that he likes a pert bap? Yes. I, in my notes, I actually have a line that says, David and I both like pert buns. <laughs> I liked that. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I like the word pert also, just in general. It's like, It really only goes with like a pert bosom or a pert bum. It really only refers to body parts. You are correct. Right. Or a comment. So, Can't you make a pert comment? Oh, I suppose you can. Well, we're bad at that, and Amelia's real bad at math. Uh, because she's like, oh, I've left 10% out, but maybe that won't matter. But it's like, how did you divide them in the first place to leave all this stuff left over? What happened? She's a fashion designer, which is curious because like, I've been doing a lot of sewing lately and that shit is all math, like small, basic math, like nonstop. So we've all done it. So they also have to make, they call them veggie burgers, but they're really just black bean burgers. I, I to think do this that some challenge. of these people have never seen a black bean burger because they are making these massive hunks of black bean. Straight black bean. Mm, that's gonna that's gonna stick in the craw. Do you like a black bean burger? I don't know that I've ever had one. In fact, I wanted to do this challenge, and Ryan is so appalled by the idea of a veggie burger at all that he like straight up next it. He's like, "You can do it, but you're gonna be eating twelve veggie burgers." I can't. So. A well-made black bean burger, I have made it a couple of different times, you know, when times that we've decided to go meatless for a little bit or we're trying to do something healthier, things like that. Dale really likes them. The biggest problem with the black bean burger is the texture's all wrong. Mm-hmm. So calling it and, a burger feels funny. Right, well, it's just like you bite it in and it just gives oh. like a mashed up bean. Oh. And so, you know, there's none of that like tear that you get with a piece of meat. Right. But... The biggest thing is that it just can't be too wet. You know, like you do have to like dry it out so that it congeals together. Mm-hmm. But they weren't really judged on that. So I kind of wish they had judged that a little bit more because it was equally part of the challenge. Like it doesn't come together unless that part's done. But say mm-hmm. whatever. I get why they didn't though, because they probably didn't want anyone to get knocked on what wasn't exactly baking. That's true. Uh, I forget who... Oh, Amelia comes last in technical, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Continuing, you know, not her week. And David, once again, comes in second. 
and uh, which may or may not become a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. And then our good, our homeboy Henry is top of the pile for somebody who only learned how to bake bread a week ago. I bet that a couple people wanted to smack him, but everybody's so sweet and on this show, they'd never. They would never. And he said it in the confessional, not to any of them. Oh, that's so. true. Good point. <laughs> I can't imagine him keeping anything back to himself, though. He'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, <laughs> Do you think of baking as a talent at all? No, it's a skill. Okay. Well, I think there's very little in this world that's an honest-to-God talent. I think virtually everything's a skill. Interesting. Huh. Well, I was going to say that that would be an argument in favor of it being a skill. Oh, excuse me, in favor of it being a little bit of a talent. But, hmm. Do I think that, like, you can... But, like, he may have skills in his other part of his life that go really well with this, which is, like, he's a musician, Music. so he has a great eye for detail. Yep. You know, he understands, you know, things like rhythm or... So, like, he's used to taking written instructions and translating them into the physical world. All of, of which works really great with necess- bread. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had somebody, I, I gave a talk uh, earlier this week and somebody came up afterwards and part of the talk was encouraging people to go out and do their own kind of talks. And she's like, I could, I could never be as good as you are. And I was like, this is probably the 80th presentation I've ever given. You know, yeah. this is the 15th time I've given this particular talk. I ought to be good at it. I've done it a lot. Yeah. I should be better than you by this point. Right. I was like, you know, but the only way you're going to get any better is you have to get up there and do it the crappy first time. But yeah, so that does take us into the the showstopper, which was uh, a little different. It was. So it is at least two loaves. Mm -hmm. They have to be scored in some sort of design, which means cut. They have to have a theme and they have five hours. Yes. Now, this was different for a couple of reasons. The first being that it's... Is it the first showstopper they've had that hasn't been sculptural? Well, it's sculptural in a different way, but yeah, it's not. Usually, it's make a bread scene of some scene. variety or right. They dropped the scene idea and let them make more traditional loaves. Yeah, and I thought that a lot of people were really successful in just making big circles. Yep, and because the focus is turned to scoring, they're able to still do things that are visually interesting with that. But they're big circles. Yeah. For one thing, the more I learn about bread, it's like, yeah, bread works really well in a circle. A circle or a baton. That's it. That's why a loaf is loaf-shaped. But Because <laughs> that's how a loaf rises. And, you know, you can do it in other shapes, but, like, you need to keep it relatively thin then so that it, it cooks. Yes. Um, like poor Henry with his fugas. Yeah. So, for the most part, everybody picked a good bread except Henry, mm-hmm. who picked a bread who he self-admitted doesn't show scoring very well. But he chose it for a logical reason, which is that it's it's a faster bread to make because it's thinner and has these big holes in it that would help it to bake more quickly. And hey, they don't like undercooked bread. So that, I mean, that did make sense in a way. Five hours is really short for an artisan bread. I did this challenge and who buddy, it would not have worked in five hours. I think I took like 10. Wow. To do it was it was a long day, but yeah they they really did some quick work there, especially because well technically it took more than ten. It was ten from the point that I mixed and baked them, but all three breads that I did required an overnight sponge. They needed like at least twenty four hours of the yeast proving with a little bit of flour and water. I by and large thought that people did really well with this. This is an artisanal crew. So when you're able to like kind of give them a simpler bake, but amp up the design, they deliver. I thought Steph's 
floral was really cute. Yes. And actually like her, she's like, you know, simpler is better. If you know you can nail a simple thing, then do it exquisitely. Yes. Uh, you know, like, like with uh, David's bouquet uh, last week, I think that that really worked. Because if you go complicated sometimes like David did this week, did. I thought that the mask looked super cool. But I could also tell that like their cool artifact vibe was a mistake. Yeah, because it there were so many delicate cuts and like he was trying to alternate deep and shallow. It just required, uh, it's one of those things he could have gotten right if he had done maybe like four examples of the same loaf at the same time and picked the best one. But it's one of those things where it's going to, it's too unpredictable to expect that to turn out perfectly. Right. I also thought that Rosie's safari was gorgeous. Yes. Always. Oh, Rosie. I mean, she she knew what she was doing. And then, I mean, Michael Spire was... Fire. I mean, he was fire. Spire, get it? <laughs> wah, wah. Yay. I, Rosie made a comment about scoring. I mean, that is so true about how it's as much about the angle of the blade going in as it is about the depth of the score. So they had to think about kind of two different things, which is how deep do I want it to go? Because the deeper your blade goes, the larger the rift is going to be. But also the bread's going to bulge out and over the cut. And so you can control the direction in which the bread grows with its oven spring some of the control these people really know their stuff and practiced and i had never thought about scoring to me scoring was always just a couple of slashes i've never really done it that much Um, maybe you know like to do like the two or three that you do on like a typical top of a baguette kind of thing yeah i thought of it as like a fancy bakery thing like fancier than i've been to (laughs) and so this whole idea that like it's an honest-to-God decorating tool that you could do a lot with mm-hmm. was really eye-opening. Yeah. I did some Googling, and there are definitely some cool things to see if you, like, just Google scored loaf or hmm. bread scoring. You can see some pretty fun stuff, which, and then I tried to do it myself and learned that it takes a lot of skill. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and practice, which I did not have. So Amelia goes home, and Michael's our star baker. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the showstopper of this episode? Um, no, not particularly. I, I wasn't sad to see Amelia go, honestly. She was one of my less favorites. I felt like she didn't take criticism as gracefully as some of the other contestants. And so there there was always a little bit of anger when things didn't go well. And I, I just, she didn't grow on me as much as some of the others have. And it was time. All right, so we are going to be right back with our takes on this week's bakes. So we're back. So this week, I attempted the Showstopper Challenge. Not the Showstopper. Ooh, the Signature Challenge. I didn't want the Showstopper. <laughs> I did that. I'm that fool. We discovered last week that many of the recipes that they are using on the show, that the contestants are using, are on the greatbritishbakeoff.co.uk. Yes. And so I thought, well, why, why don't we give one of those a shot? Yeah. And you went with one of... I So I used Priya's Smoky Jalapeno Bread. Mm. Um, because of all of the the shaped breads that they have on there from this week, it's the one with the flavor profile that w- I like the most. Yes. And I forget, how does the smoky come in? Okay, so we're going to get there. Okay. So, all right. So the first thing you do is you make a smoky seasoning. Mm. And it is onion powder, garlic powder, oregano, chives, cayenne, uh, a little bit of castor sugar. And then the two main ingredients are smoked paprika. Mm, love smoked paprika. And tomato powder. Oh, 
Huh, that's a new one on me. Right, I had to look it up. I'd never heard of it before. And they, spoiler alert, they don't carry it at Publix. Of course not. So, tomato powder is basically just, it's powdered tomato. It's it's oh. exactly what's on the label. Well. Um, but you can use it to add a tomato-y kind of flavor to different spice mixtures. In a pinch, you can use tomato paste, which is what I did. Okay. So, and tomato paste isn't that wet, so I didn't feel that bad adding it into yeah, a dough. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you cut moisture anywhere to... It was only a tablespoon, mm-hmm. so I didn't. I didn't feel like it was going to matter that and much. And by that point, you were already probably pretty sick of tomato powder, right? Hunting like, around, right? I looked at the store and I was like, "Well, I can't find it." And it's like you can order it on Amazon, but they want to send you, you know, a liter of it. I bought a pound, uh, twenty-four ounces of diastatic malt powder on Amazon <laughs> recently. So then you make the dough. So you put bread flour, yeast, salt, sugar, the smoky seasoning to. It makes three tablespoons, so but you only use two tablespoons yeah. and um, some olive oil all in the mixer together. You found another way to use what was left over? I, I threw it in the chili I was making. Oh, good. See, there you go. So you combine all of that together. You run it on the hook for about five, eight minutes, and that's all the kneading it gets. It actually oh. doesn't tell you to hand knead it at all. Huh. You just throw it in a bowl. Right. And then you throw it in a, a, a greased container for an hour and a half to two hours. Let it double in size. Do you use a bowl or like a Cambro tub? I use a plastic bowl that I have sprayed uh, Pam in. I want to buy a round Cambro tub for that purpose because I've seen where people use that so that they can see exactly when it's doubled in terms of volume. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That would be, that would be a useful thing to have because... I just knew it was growing when it started to poke the tea towel up. You got it. I'd like to know exactly. like Because when it says half again at size, then that would mean it going from like one to one and a half liters or whatever. So while you're doing that, you are going to dice your peppers and jalapenos on a sheet of kitchen paper so that uh, they can drain. And so it's 20 grams of jalapenos, which is basically a jalapeno, and 40 grams of red pepper. And it says red pepper. And I had not rewatched the episode before I made this recipe. When I say red pepper, what would you go to the store and buy? Two possibilities. Either crushed red pepper or Mm -hmm. cayenne. So I bought chili peppers. You know, like I went to the produce section and bought red chili peppers. Which to me is what a red pepper is. When you say a red chili pepper, does it look like a red jalapeno? Yeah, basically. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And... But if you watch the show, she uses a bell pepper. Oh, no. And so we're going to come back around to that, but pull a pin in that. Have a little little zing on there. So you let those drain. And I was like, you know, I want to add a little little something something of my own. So I had a little bit of pepperoni in the house. So I also diced up about 40 grams of that. Never seen. So that's all draining. And then you make your own barbecue sauce. Okay. And which is, which is for a dip. And so it's, you know, Sarah Lee, you start with ketchup, but, uh, you add some garlic, sugar, apple cider vinegar, paprika, cayenne pepper, all the stuff you make a barbecue sauce with. Mm. Put that on the stove for five minutes while you're stirring it, and then it's good to go. All right, so you tip that out. So you tip your dough out, and it's doubled in size. You cut it in half, and then you're rolling each half into a 12-inch round. And the easiest way that I found to do this was to roll it out, get a 12-inch round bowl, stick it on top, and then cut off the excess with a pizza cutter. Smart. And then I made breadsticks out of the remnants. Mm. So you've got that. And then you brush a two-inch wide uh, egg wash around the edges of the first circle, which is the width of a normal pastry brush. So you don't even have to measure it. Nice. And you put all of your filling in the middle. So that's where the peppers go. You also, Oh, I also chopped up a, some, um, some green onion. You stick that in there. 
and then you cover that in cheese. And she says to use a cheddar and a red Leicester cheese. I just grated more cheddar. Red Leicester, as far as I remember, I studied abroad in England. Red Leicester and double Gloucester were always available, and they were the equivalent of us finding like cheddar or mozzarella. Here, they cost a fortune, and I would never. So... Right. It also called for 100 grams of it, which is like a quarter of a cup. Stop. So, so it's not that much. Like, the one block of, like, cheddar cheese that I bought to go in this mm-hmm. was more than enough for the entire recipe. Oh, I thought you were going to say that wasn't enough, which was how I felt. No, I had over a third of it left. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, once you've got your filling in the middle and not in the egg wash part, you take the other circle and you stick it on top and you seal the edges. Okay. Then you cut it into eight equal. So then you put a cookie cutter that is two and a half inches across in the middle. And you basically cut wedges from the outside in, stopping at the cookie cutter. So you've like got the a, rays a, of the sun. Right. And so the easiest way is to cut it into fourths and then cut each of those fourths in half. You're going to grab each of those sections, pick it up, and twist it twice. So basically that the same side is down that started down. And you go around and you do that all in the same direction. And then for reasons passing understanding, you cut off the right tip of every point. Okay. I get maybe it makes it snugger or makes it prove together better. I don't know. This was just weird. Nope. But I was told to do it, so I did. Obedient. Then you let this prove for 30 more minutes. And here is where my biggest problem in the whole bake came in. I didn't think about what it was going to be like once this circle had stuff in it and had been cut into pieces what moving that was going to look like. Okay. So I hadn't, I just did it on my countertop. Oh no. I didn't have it on a piece of baking paper or in a cookie sheet or oh, anything no. like that. You needed like and, a, a pizza peel. Right. But I don't have one of those. And so I just oh. kind of had to like nudge it, nudge it. And I got it on a cookie sheet and like it didn't tear the dough's pretty springy. Well, your Christmas but... gift is sorted, but <laughs> like doesn't help you in this situation. Right. I was like, I kind of need like an extra set of hands, but I was home by myself. So, but I got it on the cookie sheet. You let it, you let it go um, for 30 more minutes and you get your oven up to 430 degrees and you, you pop it in the oven and it cooks for 20 minutes, 10 minutes, and then shift the pan to the, uh, you need to turn it halfway through because it's going to catch if you don't. Right. So I brought it out and uh, I thought that it looked pretty damn elegant if I do say so myself. This is my first time trying to shape bread at all. This is my first time making a bread with a filling. And so I ripped, I, I tore off my first little piece. It, t- it tore like a dream. Nice. And put that bite in my mouth. And that filling will make a man out of you. Oh, God. <laughs> Who those red chilies came for you, huh? Yeah. How yeah. many well, red chilies was that? Just two. Two plus the jalapeno. Plus the jalapenos, plus the smokiness and the cayenne that's in the bread. Oh, my God. Yeah, and don't put so, hair on your chest. Right. Oh my god. Now, if I've you been dip there. it, in, if you dip it in the barbecue sauce, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And like you bite it, and like, and the first thought is, it's not that bad. In fact, when Dale came home and he took a piece, he's like, it's not that spicy. And then like it hit the back of his mouth, and he goes, oh, I need some water. <laughs> no, you need milk, sir. Milk. <laughs> well, I gave him a diet coke. So. <laughs> As long as it's got a sauce, it's actually fine. It just needs something to tamp down that heat just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I initially wanted to do like a buffalo chicken take on this, but my biggest concern was I didn't know how much filling was going to be too much. Right, yeah. Because even when I was making this filling, it only came together to be about 200 grams worth, maybe. Oh, wow. And, and so 
that's, you know, maybe half a cup, uh, maybe a little bit more, but it's all diced really fine. But once it gets into those little twisted sections, you know, you don't want it spilling out the edges. And so I think that it tastes pretty good. Uh, I, I don't, even though it's, you know, a little on the spicy end, I don't think that we're going to have any trouble finishing it. And this is how fun to serve at an event or to take somewhere or to like give people because like, you know, you really can just grab one end of this and pull it off and it tears like a dream. It tears into the slice it's supposed to tear into. And it looks so pretty on a table. Right. Like it's Instagram ready because you've got that perfect circle. You would take an overhead photo, not overhead, but you know, like the, the vertical looking down photo of it. And it's a pretty star. Yeah. I think this pretty closely fit into that three hour time limit that they were given on the show. You know, I mean, this was the recipe that was meant for that. Yeah. So that's not that much longer than you'd spend on a cake or anything else you might bake to take somewhere. No, not at all. And a lot of that's rising time. Right. Where you can do tons of other stuff. So I thought it was actually pretty simple and it taught me a ton about Mm -hmm. how to flavor bread, what fillings look like, you know, shaping stuff and and elasticity and things like that. So I was, I was pretty thrilled with this. Yeah. This is a challenge I did for the last season. Um, I did a star bread. Yes. You did a a Terrence Stare cinnamon, right? And I remember, I did the cinnamon and then burned the hell out of it. So then I did Oh, that's right. So you made a savory one after. Yeah. 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 And um, that's one that Ryan actually has brought up that he'd like it if I made it again. So it it was a crowd pleaser and a crowd of one because that's what I have. Yeah. It was, it's a good, good option if you want to dip a toe into the bread world because it's pretty satisfying and makes it well, and on the website it like they give a a difficulty rating and they say that this is challenging what and i would not agree no you know i i know that we bake and that we do this sort of stuff so maybe if you have never opened a baking cookbook maybe this is a challenging recipe but if you follow the instructions you're gonna be fine mm-hmm. yeah it's it's not one of those where it's like you have to knead it until it feels right to me, that's what makes a recipe difficult or a bake difficult is that feeling of like, oh, do it some, but not too much. Or let it go until it's the color of like a starling's wing. Like, that's not helpful. The only thing in here that you have to do by sight or just knowing is knowing when something's proved enough. Yeah, which is not an issue. Right, and you're going to hit that anytime you make bread. And mm-hmm. it's just something that you learn. Yes. So... So let's talk about you. The the how is the showstopper, the scoring challenge? So did you get tens across the board? I did not get tens across the board. I think that my loaves would have gotten me sent home. However, we ate all three loaves, and I would try again. So the challenge, I didn't have to do as many different kinds of bread as I did, and my theme going in was loaves I've been meaning to try and it did take (laughs) a special it did take a special trip to a grocery store in another town because um I needed to get to a good baker's supply and I'm still pretty new here so I went to Whole Foods and to this place called Down to Earth I don't know if it's a local chain or if it's nationwide but you know the hippie vegetarian grocery store that's real fancy there were some things i couldn't find at all so i was still having trouble finding a good baker's supply hereabouts i did find wheat berries which i needed to make my first loaf which is a rustic wheat berry bread all three of my recipes came from the america's test kitchen bread illustrated i broke into the section that was upping your game with sponges bakery style artisan loaves and yeah i know 
So the wheat berry was interesting because it required, all three of these recipes required a sponge, which is where you kind of give the yeast a head start by letting it sit and mature with some flour and room temperature water. And I gave them all the same amount of time. They all went for 24 hours. But the wheat berry bread also required a soaker. So for the soaker, it's eight ounces of wheat berries and eight ounces of room temperature water. And you let it sit for a minimum of eight hours and then put that into a food processor to process it down to kind of a sludge honestly. And it's essentially making your own flour for a really rustic loaf. Yeah, it was really easy. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than pouring water on top of something and then pushing a button. That was fun. I I would try that again for sure. The other two loaves I made were the cheddar and black pepper bread, which again, also had a sponge, but what really sets it apart, it's a round boule and It used one and a quarter teaspoons of coarse ground black pepper and eight ounces of cheddar cheese shredded. This one was a little tricky ingredient-wise because it was a case of, I wrote down all the ingredients on the ingredient list, bought them, and then realized as I started cooking that on the next page, troubleshooting section brings up that you should use a young cheddar. And I had bought an extra sharp Tillamook cheddar. <laughs> and I thought, well, damn. And I, I read, and it's funny, I was talking to a friend. She's like, I mean, could you do this? Could you do that? Could you? Like things to salvage it so I wouldn't have to go back to the grocery store. And every other option is explicitly mentioned as not going to work. In the troubleshooting <laughs> section, like, nope, nope, nope. And the reason given to use an aged, uh, not to use an aged cheddar is that they have a tendency to separate when they melt, marring the loaf with swirls of crumbly dry cheese and causing grease to spill out. The moisture level of a cheese dictates how well it melts and this decreases with age. So, interesting. yeah, it was interesting and good to know. Apparently, It's fine. They have a quick bread that uses cheese where they say it's fine to use a really strongly flavored aged cheddar cut into cubes because it doesn't have the same amount of gluten development necessary, but that um, for this bread in particular. So I went ahead and bought like a cheapo bag of Freedom's Choice, which is the... uh, the commissary brand. Very patriotic. Freedom's choice. I know, it's painful. So it is very silly. But they, they make a good young cheddar. Right? <laughs> and so I went and bought that at the last second. The last bread that I made, which required a rye flour, so this one was a little bit different too, was a fennel and fig, which I really liked the sound of those together. Uh, I really liked my fig newtons for the last go round, and I liked the idea of those in a bread. So that used, I ended up using the whole bag of figs chopped and stemmed. And for the fennel, it's a tablespoon of fennel seeds. So they do not go easy. It's a lot of fennel. And I think the flavor came through in the bread really nicely. But you, I toasted them in the toaster oven before using them. And did you start with fresh fennel or dried fennel? I started with dried. Um, Okay. It needed to be the seed. And so... Ah, okay. Yeah. And I won't go through every detail because actually process-wise, the breads weren't that dissimilar. They were just... But they all used different proportions of water, yeast, and flour. And then the mix-ins made them different as well. It, it really just reminded me like that bread can be a very, it's like you tweak one thing and you can get a very different result. Because of course, 
all three of the breads were wildly different and I had varying levels of success with all of them. So there was a, a tragedy with the wheat berry bread. So basic process for all of these breads was this. You take your soaker, add it to your flour and additional ingredients, mix it up in the mixer. You let it knead for it's usually about eight minutes and stop the mixer. At that point, you dump out whatever you have into your greased bowl to let it go through its first rise. That first rise doesn't take that long. It's only about 30 minutes. Then, now the breads I usually make only require two rises. You let it rise, and then you shape it. You let it rise again in the loaf pan, and then you bake. For these, you let it rise for 30 minutes, and then you come under it with a dough scraper. Uh, Mine are silicone, which is nice. It didn't stick too badly. And then you fold the bread over itself eight times around the loaf. And I'm doing it with my hand, like that's going to help. This is an audio format. Don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> and so you fold the bread onto itself, like essentially folding it in half, and then because it's sticky, it sticks. And... This is an alternative to what you see and think of as kneading, where you're rolling around, punching it, etc. And it's a good way to knead when you have a wetter dough because you're not like up to your elbows in glue. You're giving it a chance to rise with only that slight knead. I am still not sure that I did it correctly because I was not fully happy with the aeration I got on any of my breads. So I don't know where I went astray there, but there were four folds like this. So it was two hours just of rising and folding. And then after the last fold, you let it raise for a much longer time and then you shape. The wheat berry bread was in the last rise and you, in order to let it raise, you take a towel, um, and you spray the underside of it with water to make a little bit of steam and help it to separate. And then you're supposed to throw flour over the top side of the towel so that your dough won't stick. You drape your floured towel in a colander or a glass bowl, which is what I used. And then you shape your loaf into a ball. By I do it by um, setting it on the counter and twisting it. So that underneath, it's sort of like if you were to take around the knot of a balloon and twist a balloon to make it thinner and thinner, tauter and tauter. And so that makes a nice smooth, taut top to your dough. And then you flip it taut side down so that the seam is on top in the bowl, cover it up with the floured towel, and stick it in a garbage bag. A clean one, obviously. So I have this garbage bag full of bread that I've been working on at this point for like three, four hours on the counter. And my beloved toddler, and I'm, at, by this point, I'm also folding two other loaves because I'm doing this. I tried to space it an hour apart because they're mm-hmm. each going to need somewhere around an hour in the oven. So I'm still running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I've been doing this for hours by now. My feet hurt. And... Um, Helen somehow manages to reach up to counter height and she gets just like a little pinch of that garbage bag 
and pulls it, glass bowl, flower towel, and bread included, and it oh, lands no. on the ground with a sound like a slap. And I know without even opening it that the bowl has shattered. And I open it up, lo and behold, yes, in fact, it has shattered. And so I have the... I, I did not yell at her, actually, because she was just being a toddler. It was about 11.30 around her usual nap time, and she needed to go to bed, and I was putting her off because I wanted to wash dishes or get to the next step, and I, I should have just dropped it and put her in bed when she started to act tired, and I didn't, and so that's on me. And that is that is parenting all over, by the way. Like <laughs> She did something really crappy, it was about 70% my fault. So you shouldn't be an ass about it because it was your fault. And however, it's also parenting in that you're trying to do something other than sitting on your ass and staring at your kid and they don't want you to. But yeah, I that was tragic. But here's the really funny part is that when I picked it up and looked inside, there was shattered glass, but the weave on that towel was real tight. And I thought, there's probably not glass in that bread. And... <laughs> I tell you, my friend, I reshaped the bread and let it rise again and just went ahead and baked it. Well, and you said that you ate all three loaves. I so did. I did. You're still alive and kicking. I'm still alive, but I learned that once I've spent four hours on a bread, I will eat it even if there's a possibility it has glass in it. <laughs> um, a very slight, because it didn't cut me when I was kneading it. So, you know, probably no right. glass. Glass is an important part of a balanced diet. It's an, it's an excellent point, really. But needless to say, that bread did not rise as well as one might have hoped. Because at that point, it's been kneaded more times than it was supposed to be. It had been through some stuff. I mean, it was pretty heavy and it had a pretty dense crumb. And I bought, I, I actually have a bread lame, lame, I'm not sure how to say it. The little bread cutter thingy that... Mm-hmm. And it did not work worth a shit. It was the worst. So it was like a cheap one that came when I bought a Banneton. Mm-hmm. And it was garbage. And it ruined, like it caught. And like, instead of cutting the loaf, it just sort of dragged the dough. And the top, the scoring was non-existent. It looked like a hot mess. And so that loaf was pretty rough. But you know, it worked great as toast. <laughs> so... And I feel like that's what I have to say about all the loaves I made for this challenge. Like, it looked like shit. But you know, great toast. Real good toast. Tasty. The cheese bread was less eventful, but uh, the big thing was I did nice deep slices and an X. And because in the troubleshooting section of the recipe, it actually said like, hey, you should do this as an X. And here's why. It had good reasons. But apparently I cut a little too deep and the cheese bubbled up and made like a huge sort of blackened wart on the outside of the bread. (laughs) So that wasn't cute either. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, that recipe was interesting because it had you work cheese through the dough. But then when you flattened it for the shaping, you also put like straight cheese on it, rolled the dough, and then made the dough kind of into a snail shell. And it made this nice swirl. So that was really fun that it had like a visible swirl through the dough. But when you cut it in half and opened it, it had like a great big channel running through the bread that I know the judges hate. So they would have complained about that. The fig and fennel, honestly, I don't have anything too interesting to say about that one aside from the fact that it was pretty dense and it didn't rise that well. That one I made more into like a football shape. And all this is to say 
that this actually did end up having a theme because I had two round loaves and one that was like a big football. Oh, so looking at this picture now, it looks like a dick. Yup. I did a bread wiener. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> bread dong. And so, yeah, that was my theme that I chose. Some do flames, some do a garden. I made a bread wiener and I'm pretty proud of that. And they were all good as toast. Shaft and testicle. <laughs> Tasty, tasty, tasty. Can you imagine if your testicles looked like that with that big cheese wart on it? Well, I was like, I mean, that's a gigantism, you know. It's like I know. You, I was like, you, you, well, with that sort of wart, though, you'd find that in a self-check. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have to check. You, you'd feel it. You'd see it. Like, it'd, right. people would notice um, <laughs> through your pants. But, oh, my gosh. So, would I call it a success? It was way too much to take on in a day. One of those loaves would be plenty to take on in a day. And you should really do the same loaf three or four times uh, before saying, hey, I've got this. That's a big thing I'm picking up on with bread in particular is that like you're not going to get it on the first try. And I mean, if you do, great, but it's not... It doesn't mean that you're screwing up if it's not great the first time around. Are any of these that you would throw into your repertoire to do again? The wheat berry was pretty heavy. I don't know. I would do the cheese bread again because um, it was it was a family favorite. And I like that little bit of heat off the pepper in it. I would give that a shot again. But I don't know what you would do to keep that that gap that was created from the moisture. I assume that the reason why there was a gap running through it was because the cheese had so much moisture in it that when it evaporated it caused a rift to open up in the center of the bread maybe a crumblier aged cheese would be the i way know to go. i know but i didn't want like a greasy doorstop which is kind of what the recipe told me i was going to end up with they can be a little alarmist at the test kitchen sometimes that's a good point yeah <laughs> that's a really funny <laughs> sentence <laughs> but, but like i don't know it's it I was like be, it's in the middle of bread how greasy could it possibly be it would be fun to play with i gave helen a slice of the um fig and fennel and she picked the figs out of it ate it and threw the bread at the dog like but she's one and a half so i'm not that offended because fennel's not really in her flavor profile evidently not i don't know maybe it's more that figs are so much in that everything suffers by comparison (laughs) but that's that's really all i know i mean it was a good time i would i would do one of them again i wouldn't do all of them yeah well and i'm hoping that i take away from this bread week that to make more bread because both of the times it's come up i was like i have a lot of fun making bread and I just need to get over the fact that it needs to be eaten quickly and yeah. or look into preservatives. Surely there must be some way to at, to at home add length onto your bread. And so it maybe that's the well. next area. It freezes well. Freeze half a loaf. Yeah. Or freeze, like make two loaves and freeze one to make it okay. more worth it. I had a great time this week. And I'm looking forward to next week, our first ever dairy week. You sound dirty when you say dairy, and that doesn't make any sense at all. But, <laughs> but well, we'll get into it. But I especially think that they're the first challenge is not a challenge for where you and I come from. Okay. So all right, we'll see. I get the feeling that's the be, challenge I'm going to want to make because I'm sure uh, shit not doing the showstopper again. Oh no, I think we might be doing the same one next week. But that's for next week. There you go. In the meantime. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate or review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you're listening. You can reach out to us by email at thegingamaltershow at gmail.com or see pictures of our bakes on Instagram at thegingamaltershow. 
Our theme music is Cheery Monday, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. All these notes and more can be found in the show notes each week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Megan. And this is Mac. Wishing you a lovely bake. 